0: The Capital Weekly podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Capital Weekly podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by my colleague and friend, Tim Foster. Hi, John. And our special guest today is Charles Fields, Vice President of the Irvine Foundation. Uh, who's going to talk to us today about the world of nonprofits and some other things that are on his plate right now? Charles, thank you very much for being here today. I'm, I'm really
2: happy to be here, I and mean, I'm excited to talk with you too.
1: Well, we'll fix that. That's not a problem. We'll fix it. But you know, one thing that uh, Tim and I had been talking about earlier is you you do the leadership. Award. James M. Irvine Foundation does the leadership awards, and it's now about 15 years. Yeah. Um, and there are half a dozen I was looking at. Uh, here. And I wondered, how do you pick them? How do you, yeah. how do you, how do you select this group?
2: Well, we um, we try to take ourselves out of it a little bit. Um, we bring together an independent selection committee of kind of experts across the state, representing various fields. Um, we have a board member or two who sit on that committee as well, and um, and they um, there's an open process for folks to be able to nominate folks. I think we had 400 nominations this year, and then there's some criteria wow. that people work through, and um, it's actually extremely hard. I was. I've seen the criteria and I've seen the applications and literally everyone um, you could give an award to like everyone is amazing and doing great work, but there's got to be a way that they cut it to around, I think it's seven or nine. And, um, and, um, and those folks get a $250,000 grant and they get um, support from uh, capital impact, which does a lot of work with like connecting them to legislators and increasing profile on some of their, um, great ideas. But um, it is a super hard choice. The selection committee does a, a great job. And literally all 400 folks are doing great work. So are, are
1: these entities that are already in place doing what they do? And usually, usually okay. folks are connected to
2: a nonprofit organization. But sometimes people have other kind of affiliations. Some, there are some folks who are connected to for profits or businesses. It's really about supporting leaders who have great ideas. We're really uh-huh. trying to like um, get at California's big problems. And sometimes they're situated just as an individual. Sometimes they're situated with a nonprofit. Sometimes they're situated with business. Um, it's really about lifting up great ideas. Um, hopefully those ideas can scale and do really good for our state. So, um,
1: you know, I, the time I, I saw now. overall uh, the it just Standing back, you know, from a thirty-thousand-foot altitude view, looking down, the Irvine Foundation wants to promote economic opportunity, political opportunity, uh, get involved in underserved communities. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the items really struck me. It was uh, a grant to Brandon Smith and Royal Ramsey for yeah, that's exciting, time. huh?
2: Yeah, it really kind of cool jumped one. out. So yeah, it's a cool one. Um, uh,
1: how do you train? It, how do you train? It, uh, these are former inmates, basically. Yeah. Who want yeah. to become professional firefighters? How's that work? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's a really cool program.
2: I mean, I think it like addresses like a couple big issues we have in the state, obviously. Um, climate change is impacting our environment um, significantly, yeah. and we have these wildfires that are um, destroying our environments and people's homes and people's lives. And we really need trained folks, brave folks, who go out there and help us fight these fires when they when they happen. Um, and we don't have enough people. Um, to be able to do that like we're always overwhelmed in that way and we have a second problem where we have folks who have um, who are incarcerated and who are coming out and who really want to do right by themselves and their families and communities But also need an opportunity to build their skills so they can um, do a job that's productive and this program does answers both of those questions right we are training folks who need some skills to be able to really effectively participate in society and doing a good that addresses some real challenges um, that we have the program trains folks Um, who before they get released, but who are about to get released to help train them and and then connect them to folks who are firefighters. And then they are part of a team when they come out um, to be able to do that work. And um, I just think it's uh, an amazing program. And um, and I was super excited to see it. Well, the
1: state had talked about the issue of of firefighters, uh, inmate firefighters who have been on the fire lines for years and years and years and years doing the hardest work and the fire and afterwards yep. wanting to be hired uh and the state and other and unions yep. There, there's a lot of go- the state because of budgetary reasons i think early on was an issue and then the unions didn't want didn't want that to happen they saw that as maybe a dilution of their authority yep. there are a lot yep. of political pitfalls here do you think yep. um you think you can, this nonprofit, the small one, they got the grant. Yeah. Can it do the deed? Can it get out there and take the big think, guys on, you know?
2: I think, um, I think well, in, I think the way they would think about it is how do we how does everyone win in this scenario, right? So we how do we help train some folks who really need to build their skills to be able to like really be productive citizens in society and contribute to what is a big problem? Um uh-huh how do we partner with the unions to make sure these folks go along the pathway that they should in terms of the organized structure that we have? Um, I I think I'm less of trying to be combative and more of trying to figure out a way to be partners. And um, I think there, and we just have to be able to sit down and have conversations about how to do that really effectively. And I think um, there are always lots of politics um, I have a lot of confidence in the leaders that they're really trying to create the right relationships and yep. introduce these folks who are trying to be firefighters to the unions so they can understand who these folks are and how do they go through the system. So um, it's not it, it, it's not perfect, but um, but the effort is good. And I think we are going to um, see good minded people work through the politics.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the one of the other grants went to. Uh I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Name deep Singh. And it, is that am I close in pronunciation? I
2: think so. I think so. I don't I'm, I am also not an expert, but I think I think you're, you're
1: pretty good. Uh, we'll get cards and letters on this, I'm sure. So, I apologize in advance. Hmm. Uh, the issue though is at risk Sikh youth. Yeah. Yeah. That's getting pretty granular and zeroing in. Northern California, we're all aware of the Sikh community and we have a very large Sikh community here, especially up in just north of Sacramento. Yeah. Um, how does it, what would, what is the issue there involving the CQ, uh, Yeah, yeah. how that play out? Yeah, I think we, um, you know, we are, we're blessed to live
2: in, um, a diverse state on like so many levels. And, um, we think the leadership awards is an opportunity to both lift up great ideas from uh, diverse minds and diverse communities and diverse sectors, and um, and the work that they are doing to be able to support uh, young people who are not thriving in their community, we think is really commendable. And um, both the issues that impact that community are a lot of the issues that impact, um, like all young people across the state, whether it's um, sometimes folks are coming from homes where there is violence or folks don't have economic opportunity. Um, young people um, maybe be getting into problems in their community whether it's gangs or drugs and i think um, the work that um, they want to do is about kind of making sure their youth have a pathway to becoming productive citizens of society which is a thing i think we all want and um, and so i think they're doing that for that community we don't often hear about their community doing this type of work but um, i think the issues are similar issues that we see in a lot of communities across the state with some Particularness to that community, but ultimately, it's about supporting their young people to become productive adults, okay. and um, and that's what you're seeing there. And I, um, I'm glad we could lift up their stories and um, and give them a little bit of exposure.
1: Does the governor? Uh, excuse me. The government yeah. does the government partner up with. Some of the groups that also get funding from Irvine, is, we're supposed to be in a pretty good budget year right now. Yeah, we are,
2: we have sometimes uh, so we, we're supporting a community health clinic which definitely gets um, both federal and, and state resources. Sometimes these nonprofits will get just philanthropic resources, sometimes yeah. it's not like are not getting any resources, they're kind of volunteer efforts, and sometimes they're getting some government resources um, as well. So that folks' funding um, is dependent, but a lot of times we're looking to be able to lift up some ideas that maybe um, folks haven't heard of um, uh-huh. that have some potential to scale or from communities that you haven't heard of, and there's some opportunity to scale. And so, um, you know, sometimes we've heard of the thing for sure, and sometimes we're trying to lift up some new ideas. I think there's a nice mix in this group of, um, of, of
0: awardees. Speaking of groups you have heard of, uh-huh. I noticed that uh, there's the Dolores Huerta Foundation, I believe. yeah. yeah. Yep. And there's a name that's going to be familiar to, and, I think, a majority of Californians. Can you yeah. talk about that award? Yeah. So
2: um, obviously, Dolores Huerta is, um, is, a, is a national um, hero and icon, and, um, and she has a center that really focuses on um, building community with um, Latino and Latina populations in California, really building the next set of leaders. Um, to be able to um, organize their communities and engage their communities and get them civically involved in the ways that are productive to our society, which is a a legacy of of Dolores. Camila is picking up that legacy um, and um, is trying to kind of uh, drive her own path. But, um, you know, we... Uh, we believe that in a in an inclusive and vibrant democracy, and we want um, everyone to be able to participate. Um, so that the rules we make, the policies and, and structures represent all of us, and the Dolores Werther Foundation is really trying to do that. They're trying to bring people into our civic environment that maybe haven't been there or haven't felt like they should be there and teach them, how does our government work? How do we engage around the issues that are really important to our communities in really productive ways? And that's what you really see the center do with a, a focus on um, Latino and Latinas, uh, but ultimately, um, hopefully making a better California for everybody.
1: Uh, Charles, the, there's the Irvine Foundation yeah, and there's the Irvine Company yes in the distant past i guess at one point they were connected but but yeah. they're separate entities clearly now completely can, can separate. You describe the what one does what the other one does or how they're yeah.
2: set up well i am not as educated on the company so i i, I will not it, I will <laughs> say the, the company is completely separate um you know mr irvine Um, in his generosity, really wanted to create a community benefit for the state of California Uh And, and really set up the foundation to be a separate entity from the corporation and the the business um, at the time, which was actually um, um, not something that happened a lot back then. Most of the time people would kind of put family members on or that sort of thing. So um, he really wanted this to be an independent community benefit for the state of California. And so um, we have a a board um, that is our governance. And none of those board members are family members of the the, family members of Irvine. We do want to be able to be connected to Irvine as a place because that is where Mr. Irvine lived and and where the foundation was created. Uh, But we're ultimately completely separate entities and we're a completely charitable arm. They obviously have um, private for-profit interests. We're a completely charitable arm.
1: And, And you folks are in San Francisco.
2: We have, offices in, we have offices in San Francisco and in Los Angeles. A lot of okay. us are working from home right now, but we have offices in San Francisco and Los Angeles, okay. um, but we're ultimately a statewide funder. So we fund all across the state and we um, try to have some, we really try to do some work in parts of inland California, Fresno, uh-huh. San Bernardino, Riverside, Salinas, Stockton, places that um, sometimes get overlooked um in uh, in resources so we try to spend a little bit of time in, in those spaces um with some specific funding
1: when when you work on the list yeah. uh, i guess there must be several cuts or several steps here there you, yeah. you put the word out apply and yeah. people apply yeah what is the first cut and the second cut how does that work just organizationally logistically yeah. how do you get through all these
2: Yeah. So um, Capital Impact serves as a really strong partner for us, and they are the one who kind of puts out the open call. And as I say, we got about 400 um, this year. And then there's just a level of due diligence. So they're they're looking to, like, read people's essays and see if, one, have we uh, funded these folks before? Are they generally meeting the criteria of an awardee? Um, that's generally a first cut. Are these folks inside the state? There's kind of a basic kind of rules cut. And then I think there's areas that we really care about we want to have a level of geographic diversity. Like we don't want all of our awardees coming from San Francisco. We'd like to have a level of racial and gender diversity. Uh, We'd like to have a level of issue diversity, right? So we have like the folks who are working on the forest fires, but then we also have folks who are working on foster care. and We have folks who are working on health issues and then we have some folks who are working on crime prevention. So we want to see kind of a broad diversity of issues. Um, We really hope to see ideas that um, are innovative, Um, That potentially have the ability to scale like so it's maybe a an idea that's working in one place and there's some ability to really kind of if we provide some resources that it it can make a bigger impact Um, or there's an important issue of the day that's really important to talk about. So again, with the firefighters, both issues of kind of uh, bringing folks back into our society and becoming productive citizens is important and the environmental impacts of climate change and the wildfires are kind of important issues to lift up. And so, um, you know, it's a kind of a a number of things we're looking for to be able to have kind of a broad spread um, across the
0: state. You know, one of your awards, this. This time, uh, I noticed was Advanced Peace, uh, which yeah. is addressing gun violence. And that's yeah, something yeah. that John and I have been uh, particularly aware of in the last few months because we're preparing a conference on March 3rd that's going to look at criminal justice policy in California oh. and uh, sort of take the temperature. I mean, everyone is talking about crime right now. Yes. And it's interesting to look at the statistics and some of what you see on the news is maybe not. Completely reflected in when you actually look at the statistics. Boy, gun violence really is. I mean, you could see that the murder rate, which is, of course, almost all guns, uh, it is really uh, going up in the last couple of years. And so I, I thought that that was one when you talk about a timely issue, gun violence, certainly, unfortunately, it is.
2: Yeah, and Devone is, um, has been at this for a really long time. I mean, He's an innovator, but he is not new to the issues and new to working um, in these communities. And I think what I really appreciate about his work is trying to get to the root cause of some of the issues around uh, gun violence and violence. And a lot of times those issues are poverty, are lack of opportunity, And so how do we support um, how do we support strong communities Um, so folks really understand that, like, there are better pathways than the ones that sometimes folks are taking that can lead to violence? Um, And um, and I think he's got a really smart approach. He's also, I think, a really good partner across different sectors. So he works well with law enforcement. He works well with government. Um, So I think. Um, I appreciate both the way he thinks about the issue, both crime as a problem itself, but like what really nurtures crime in communities and how do we get at the root cause of those things. And he's a great partner across sectors, working with community based organizations, working with law enforcement, working with government to be able to solve problems, which I think ultimately you need to be able to solve um, crime problems in our state.
1: Have you found uh, law enforcement to be or one of the grantees law enforcement to be cooperative? That's one of the issues the public looks at. They, they just see case after case after case uh, when a member of the public is abused in some fashion by the police or by the sheriffs or law enforcement. Yeah. How, how do they how do, how do your folks how, how do your folks confront that? Are they able to overcome it when it comes to working with them and, de- and dealing with it?
2: And I, I, I'm going to leave most of that question to Devon, but I've. Um... I think um there we have a lot of examples throughout our state of having really strong working relationships with law enforcement nonprofits and and law enforcement working together uh-huh. to be able to solve uh community problems like we have great examples here in California and um and we have some um we have some um, issues with law enforcement of course that occur that um that I Think the majority of law enforcement don't want to occur either. So I don't both want to minimize what are really significant criminal justice issues and um, challenges with the uh, criminal justice system. And I also know that there are really strong partnerships Um, government, law enforcement, nonprofits who are trying and communities really trying to solve the problems. And so it's hard to paint a broad brush about any sector. And I wouldn't want to do that about law enforcement either. Um, I think the vast majority of law enforcement officials are really trying to better communities. And I think they we want to be able to work with partners and folks who want to do the right thing in communities. Okay.
1: Does Irvine... uh Or the grantees, are they involved in voting rights issues that that comes up every election? And it's especially virulent now because of the redistricting that just the maps have just come out.
2: I would say civic engagement issues. So I think a lot of organizations that we support and and some of the leadership award are winnings want to make sure that residents are involved in their communities. And sometimes that's directly to voting, but sometimes that could be um, being a part of a community program, like volunteering at the senior center. We think activity in community building community is really important. Um, to have an engaged community that we think that is critically important. One aspect of an engaged community is having folks vote and be active in, in politics in the way that um, they want, but voting is not the only way folks can be active and build communities. It's, it's, it's one way. And there are folks who I think are more squarely trying to get people civically engaged in their communities and voting is one aspect of that.
1: Do you track the progress of in this case, the of the six recipients of the leadership awards, you track their progress over time as there an accountability issue, I, I would that would strike me as very difficult. But is that something you folks can do? We um, we both we we
2: make a grant and um, and then um, they report out on their progress and we definitely try to stay connected um, to their progress over time. Uh-huh. Um, in some places we're we're better um, than others, but we definitely have a like a relationship with them that's really about supporting them, meeting their goals. But there are some formal ways that we. Um, our understanding how goals are met as part of as part of our practice, but in the leadership awards, it's really about supporting their work and their goals. And um, and I think they want they they want to be accountable to us, but more importantly, they want to be accountable to the issues that they care about and the communities that they care about. I think that's where where you will see these leaders really feel like they need to be accountable is to the communities.
0: One of the more interesting and unique grantees this year was the I Foster program. Mm-hmm. And I had to read the description of it twice to really understand what it was. But then once I did, I thought this is really innovative and in using technology to reach communities that I could think would be very difficult to reach. Yeah. Um, I, it was a really interesting choice. Yeah. I, we, I mean, the, no.
2: It's not a surprise that um, the outcomes for a lot for um, young people in foster care are not where we would want them to be. And um, and this program is really trying to improve outcomes for that population. And um, these young people don't always know the resources that are available to them to be able to kind of be on a productive path. And um, and then this program is really trying to do that. It's really trying to connect young people in the foster care system and coming out of the foster care system to actually the supportive services that are going to help them thrive, whether that's stable housing, healthcare, job transition, education, um, and be able to do that through technology, which um, um, I think we have, historically kind of lended towards more towards in-person sorts of things, but actually um, both because of the pandemic and other reasons, actually the use of technology I think is going to be fairly effective. But this is a population that needs a lot of support and care. And, um, and, um, and, I, and I was super excited to see this program be kind of highlighted because the issues that impact this population will be, by then be
1: highlighted as well. Is there a set number for the leadership awards each year is it six this year but was it 12 the year before maybe um you know we usually have a
2: range it's usually you know between six and nine um we kind of we don't want to be too sometimes you get a lot sometimes you get a little so um um but yeah usually between six and nine
1: and are the topics different each year the focus on these individual groups
2: Yeah. yeah they do tend to be we've um you know some years we've got arts, some years we've got environments, some years we've got criminal justice or workforce development. Um, Some years you get more kind of civic engagement things or just more pure leadership. Um, We obviously get a lot of work around um, supporting young people to thrive, a lot of youth development activities. So um, we have gotten generally a good mix. I think the issues that are impacting the state that feels timely tend to come up a little bit more um, sometimes. So um, you know, I think we are um, we're getting a lot of environmental uh, work because we have some environmental challenges with climate change. Uh, we've gotten um, uh, work around workforce development uh, uh, because that's a strong focus for the foundation. Um, so, um, you know, it, it depends, but we do get a pretty uh, big cross section, and, and we try to pick a cross section because there are critical issues in lots of areas, and we kind of hope to be able to highlight a number of things.
1: Uh, Charles, one person we didn't talk about was uh, Dr. Noah Aboletta, who's founder and CEO of the Roots Community Health Center. And they do all kinds of things involving health disparities, improving health outcomes. And now I think they're dealing very strongly with the pandemic as well. What about them?
2: Um, So, uh, like you were, we had talked a little bit about the folks get some government funding, the health center definitely gets some government funding. I mean, community health centers are anchors in communities. Um, And so um, that one is a really powerful one that is uh, both providing basic services. Obviously, they're providing COVID testing um, and there are places where people can go if they don't know where to go. Um, they serve, they provide resources and referrals. They have some workforce development programs. They have a mobile unit that goes out to be able to provide health services to people. Um, you know, they're just, um, they're amazing. And, um, and um, you know, I um, was, I was super excited um, that they were an awardee. They have just a, a variety of programs um for folks to be able to participate in one of one of the ones i think is really interesting is the is the mobile unit that goes out and um helps homeless people or folks who are on the street um with health issues um
1: that's solely pandemic know. the pandemic sort of subsumes everything now but this does this uh, does a lot more than just deal with pandemic issues oh yeah
2: yeah i mean you can get your basic health issues you you know, um, folks who don't have health insurance and like this can be the place where they go. And so, um, unfortunately, we have still a substance of model population that doesn't have a primary health care provider. And these health clinics really serve for that for for folks and um, are really our anchors um, in their communities. Sometimes you just don't know where to go, to be honest. Yeah. And they can go there and kind of get some support on like navigation about like What are the supports I should receive or can receive, and can you tell me how that happens? So, um, they're both just an anchor in general in communities, as well as providing much needed basic health service, as well as um, um, a lot of services connected to the pandemic.
1: I think you touched on this earlier, but um, uh, the James Irvine Foundation is California centric, basically.
2: California, so we are only California. Yeah. Okay. The we Golden are, State, animals. okay. We, we, yeah, th- there's plenty of state for us. We don't need to go. We don't need to go anyplace else. But yeah, we are just
1: great. Charles Fields, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much.
2: It was it was um, great to meet you guys. Good luck at your conference on uh, in March.
0: And you know, congratulations to all the, uh, the people who were were awarded this. Really great, and I would think that those funds will really enable them to uh, make some huge progress on the Russians. Yeah, you know, we're a nonprofit, so we're you know I, I just think about like how something like that would impact what we do, and it's very exciting. And congratulations to all the uh, all the winners. It's really great. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, congratulations to all the winners. It's really quite a privilege to be able to support their work. It it, right. it really is.
1: Uh, thank you so much, Charles Field of the Irvine Foundation. It was great chat. Thanks for your time. And now Tim and I are going on to the going to move on to the long awaited who had the worst week in California politics
0: the worst week. Worst, week.
1: worst week. And we had quite a menu to choose, quite a buffet this time. We had <laughs> many to choose from. We came up with a couple and we'll mention some others too, but clearly Supervisor Leonard Modi, Shasta County Supervisor Leonard Modi, who is losing right now uh, a vicious recall effort against him. The votes aren't counted, but he's behind about five points. Uh, and it could be until the middle of the month that we hear one way or the other because of a, uh, an audit that has to be, needs to be undertaken before the final results are announced. That's what I read this morning. Uh, then we have Javier Becerra, former AG of California, former long-term congressman uh, from California. Now he's Health and Human Services Secretary and a lengthy piece in the Washington Post that ran early this week, it must have been 3,500 words or thereabouts, On Becerra's problems, basically, comes down to questioning his leadership involvement with the COVID pandemic and assorted other things. Poor communication. The worst assessments come from unnamed people who, the post said, worked for the White House. There are a number of people outside the White House uh, who also got into this and mentioned this. He did not have a health care background before becoming Health and Human Services Secretary. He was a Congress member, and of course, he was a state. California's top law enforcement officer. So, Tim, what do you think?
0: Uh, yeah, you're right. We really had a lot. You know, normally uh, for our listeners, we are struggling to find the worst week. There's usually it's uh, hard to find one person who really had an outstandingly bad week this yeah. week. Uh, we could have us half dozen. I mean, that doesn't even mention uh, Ash Kalra, who was our guest last week who came on, talked about uh, AB 1400, which was a bill that would have created a single payer healthcare system in California. It was very exciting to talk to him about this. He was obviously very enthusiastic about it. And, uh, you know, we talked to him last week, everything seemed great. And then first thing Monday, uh, they they never even put it up for a vote. So it's effectively dead for the year. I mean, nothing ever dies in Sacramento, but as much as anything can ever die in Sacramento, that bill is dead for right now. Also, the bill's sponsor, the California Nurses Association, were livid that he pulled it. And uh, they put out a uh, press release, guns a-blazing at him and basically everyone else in the way. Uh, not great. Um, and then actually, just as, as we're going to press here, I saw the news. You had mentioned that uh, the Republican National Committee had suggested that uh, the events of january 6th at the capitol last year were legitimate political discourse and immediately i thought i can just imagine all of our more moderate republican candidates who do not want to be asked about this i'm sure roger nilo does not want to get asked about whether or not january 6th was legitimate political discourse <laughs> you know when uh, when he's up uh, uh being interviewed by a reporter or at a uh at a debate so we had many many candidates to choose from i do think basera and modi had it the worst modi he may pull this out. I mean, from my read of the situation up there, it does not look good. And I think yeah. uh, he probably will lose that election. Uh, and to be clear, he is a Republican who is being ousted by Republicans that are to the far to the right of him. Or I'm not even sure that they're Republicans, but conservatives that are far to the right of him. So also, uh, you know, he has a really strong law enforcement background. He was chief of police in Redding
1: for six years. This is sort of a classic Republican strong on law enforcement, fiscally prudent. You know, things Republicans typically like, but he's being um, he's being attacked from the right flank up in up in Shasta County and from a militia driven flank, as well as money that's come out, uh, come out against him from back in Connecticut. Son of a billionaire put in initially put in fifty thousand oh, dollars in November, put in four hundred thousand dollars to to support the recall. So. It's not like this is a homegrown, home-financed uh, uh, movement. It's actually, there's a lot going on here. Uh, one question, uh, there was a column today in the Times by Anita Chabria, who had written a great story a few months ago on this whole issue. And the theme of this column was that Shasta County could be a bellwether for other counties in California, a, a precursor to this happening in other counties in California. I don't know if I'd go that far to say that because I think Shasta County goes on its own in a lot of ways, but it is clear that the far right and the moderate Republicans could be in battle in other counties. I could see that Siskiyou County. I could see it in Modoc County, um, maybe Inyo County, rural counties. This might be a problem. I don't see it happening in Contra Costa or LA or not San Francisco. Uh, but it's really disturbing nonetheless. And basically, these loud, loud people were able to garner, uh, garner support to support a recall. Recalls are totally legitimate. But in this case, it seems not to have been legitimate from what I can read from down here.
0: And my understanding is the recall was based around uh, his perceived unwillingness to fight back against governmental mask mandates yeah. and restrictions from COVID. Yeah. Uh, the, he was he was. Uh, for lack of a better term, he was falling on the side of science. <laughs> and they didn't uh, like that. Yep. Sci- science versus freedom. Science is going to lose. Uh,
1: yeah, it's interesting. I think the entire board kind of felt that way, too. The, the visibility level of everybody went down except for uh, Supervisor Modi. So we'll have to see how this plays out. But he's had a bad period for quite a stretch now, And this week didn't make it any better. It was a tough week.
0: So what then. do you think? Do so you think it was, it was Modi or do you think we, we go with Becerra? If we got to pick one who had the worst week.
1: I, would, I guess I'd have to go with Modi. Um, that's a really tough call. Obviously, Becerra's on a much larger scale, nationwide profile, major paper taking a shot at him. The problem with that is that happens in Washington. All the, That's part of the culture of Washington. Unnamed official source, sources trash somebody because they've got somebody they want to take that position. I mean, 99 times out of 100, there's a lot of that. There are 28 people that talk to the Post about Becerra so from the White House. So you've got to say, hey, there's a lot of that's a lot of weight there. Uh, but at the end of the day, this local government fight in Shasta County, I think, is is even uglier.
0: Yeah, I guess I would agree with you. I mean, uh, again, it was a week where a lot of people had a yeah. really terrible. I mean, it's really telling that that uh, this week was so monumentally bad for so many people. We didn't even mention the governor getting pinged for not wearing a mask when he was shaking uh, Magic Johnson's hand, which for a moment seemed like he could be a candidate and no one yeah. even remembers that now. Sorry to bring yeah. it up, Gavin, but, yeah. uh, you know, in another sure week God, you, would have, yeah. you would have taken the prize.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Okay, John. Well, thanks yeah. very much. Yeah. Tim Foster. Thank you so
1: much. And, uh, we'll talk to you next time around.
0: The capital weekly podcast is produced by Tim Foster for open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.